Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. How do you mind, bikers? Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 200 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast this week. Now before I get on to this week's guest, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody that has made this possible. We're at episode 200. That is crazy. I never ever believed we would make it as far as this. I didn't plan to go as far as 200 episodes. It's just kind of happened over the last three and a half, four years. But I just want to say a massive thank you for everybody who has made this possible from my awesome guests to all of you who have tuned in, spread the word and supported the podcast over the last number of years. It makes all the hard work and our spent getting this out to you guys every week all worth it. You know, so thank you. Keep the MTB stoke. And I just ask one thing from you. If you see me on the trails or you see me down the street or whatever, just stop and say hi. That's all I ask. Just stop and say hi. So thanks once again. I don't know if there's another 200 episodes in me, but we'll see what happens. Now, on to today's episode. And I'm blown away by today's guest because... She got into the bike scene via BMX in the late 80s and kind of as I did myself, you know, we come in through that BMX game. Now, she's obviously rose to much higher levels than me as far as racing and stuff goes. She was racing BMX for the, the great British national team and she has won many top place podiums. She raced 4X for a number of years, but she has, over the last five, six years, she's got into mountain biking. And it's great to see her in mountain biking because she brings all those BMX skills, all those 4X skills on dirt jumps, everything, trail riding. She brings it all to the MTB scene and it's awesome to chat to her, find out more about what she loves about mountain biking and why it is her newfound passion. Now, Joy in the past shied away from doing things like this, interviews and stuff, but she's come out of her shell a little and I'm pleased to announce that we've got Joey Goff on the show this week. I'm super stoked. She's got great stories. What she's doing in the mountain bike scene is amazing. And I think you guys will really, really enjoy our conversation. So I'm very pleased to have Joey as episode 200 on the show. It's a great episode. And without further ado, let's get Joey onto the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, Joy. Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things with you this morning? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. And, you know, we were chatting a wee bit there before we hit the record button. And I'm really excited to chat to you because you came from a BMX background and stuff. And we'll get into that, obviously. And now you're on to these big spongy bikes with suspension and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll chat about that, obviously. Um so it's great to get you on the show and because you have, a, you have a great history in the sport and I want to chat to you about the scene back then and what it's like now and how you've seen things change and all. So you got into it back in the 80s, the BMX thing, is that right? Yeah, I was about um, three and a half when I started. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the usual kind of story 
for girls kind of from my era. Um, my brother got into it. He's a few years older than me. And I just wanted to have a go. And I had my stabilizers at the time. My dad said, well, you can't go on the track until you've got your stabilizers up. And apparently, the story goes, it took a few days and they were off. <laughs> that was all the motivation <laughs> I needed. Wow. So was your brother kind of pushing you into it or was it something... No, you just I, don't think a... so. I think he had a couple of mates down the road that were doing it and he wanted to do it. And um, I was just sort of sitting on my bike at the side or, you know, riding around at the side. And I think it was me that said I wanted to do it, apparently. Wow. Does your brother still ride then? He doesn't now, no. He rode up until he was about 16, 17. Okay. And um, he's, he's still kind of interested, but he's into surfing now and has a family and, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, I'm a big surfer, you know. I live right on the coast here in the north. Right. So I can understand that. When you get a car and you get girls and all this thing, you know, that age, that 16, 17's dangerous. Yeah, it was me that carried on, but I'm not I'm not as good with water, so I don't think I'll be switching to surfing anytime soon. <laughs> cool. Well, you're based in Norwich, is that right? Yeah, yeah, the uh, MTB Mecca of Norwich. <laughs> yeah it's pretty flat there is it not yeah it is yeah yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> you know because i started in bmx i didn't need hills so yeah. it wasn't really an issue yeah cool so the bmx scene back then that was that was crazy right it just kind of it kind of came from stateside it came to the uk i'm in northern ireland we had it there was tracks popping up everywhere like what was the scene back like then was it crazy or what, what you know how do you remember it yeah i mean i was pretty young so my memories are kind of not great of it but it was um it, i i suppose the thing i noticed was when it got to the 90s how much it dropped off so i know it was big in the 80s because of that yeah. um it was just yeah back then it was just because it was new no one really it wasn't a serious so you'd go away for a weekend and it was all about the whole weekend. You could ride your bike all day Saturday because practice was open all day. The track never was closed. Um, and I think that's a lot of what I liked about it. It was just a weekend away. We used to play like rounders in the evening at the campsite and all that kind of thing. So it, was, mm. it never, never particularly felt very serious. Had you any BMX tracks close to your house then? Um, I used to live out on the coast when I was a kid. Um, and the, the one where I started when my brother went was just down the road at a Pontins and it had like wooden jumps like made out of slats yeah, <laughs> yeah. and quickly after that we ended up at Pleasure Hills theme park they had a track and had they actually had a massive international race at one point so that was I don't know the tracks always seemed to be half an hour to an hour away I'd say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah cool so you were relying on your parents and stuff obviously at that yeah. age to take you places and yeah, I could never, uh, never ride to the track. Yeah, yeah. Had you any friends, like school friends or anything, or local friends that that were into it as well? Um, no school friends really. There was there was a lad who got into it. He lived in the same village. He we ended up well, it was another family really. We were pretty close with them. Used to ride with them a lot and go away a lot. But other than that, no. You know, at the school, I'd say most people just thought it was a bit odd. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah like i'm sure at that stage was there many girls in it even when you went to races and stuff uh, those you know over the 80s and 90s was there any girls into it then not a great deal most of them oh. most of them really were the same story as me where they, they had a brother uh, that was usually the story but i 
I felt I was I was way more into it than any of the others were really. They were into the racing, but they didn't seem to be into the actual well, the core of BMX, which was for me, which was the jumps and everything. Mm-hmm. I was a bit unusual in that respect. But yeah, I felt like most of them really were there because of their brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were very, very competitive, more so than me. <laughs> yeah, really. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like can you remember can you remember your first BMX? Um no, I wouldn't say I could. I, I um, only from pictures, really. I suppose I'm not even yeah. sure what it was. <laughs> yeah. Can you remember your first kind of proper BMX? My first race bike, I sort of remember. Um, I think it was a little CW. I know there was a picture of me in the paper with a with a helmet on that looked twice as big as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still got that somewhere. Cool, cool. Like, I remember those times. You know, like. I came from a housing estate, your typical kind of housing estate of those around those years. And there was a guy around the corner had opened a BMX store out of his garage. You know, it was just those kind of days you know, up to this guy's house. If he was open, he was open. If he wasn't, he wasn't. And he went in there and he had all the gear and it was amazing. And like, I can remember my first bike was a GT. Yeah. And at that time, it was like GT, Mongus, Rally, all those kind of, you know, uh, diamond bike was back then too, I think. Um, but it was crazy. That's just how the scene was. And this guy's local garage just turned into a local community hub for these young boys wanting to ride BMX. <laughs> it was so crazy back then. Like, so how did you kind of move from it being something you enjoyed to the race scene? Like, when, when did that kind of change for you? Uh, well, I raced all the time, really, because back then BMX was racing, really. Really, uh, okay. So I was straight into the racing, and I, to be honest with you, I often think if I wasn't so young when I got into it, I don't really know if I would have raced because it's it's not really me. Yeah. <laughs> racing. Um, yeah. So I often wonder that. Mm, yeah, like you never get into the street side of things or anything like that, did you? Or the you know that kind of stuff. No, not street, but I I got into trails when I was kind of 19, 20-ish. Yeah. And that that really clicked with me. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's crazy because we were chatting earlier there about, you know, when you get, when you're chatting to a lot of people for the podcast, there's quite a lot of them come from either a BMX background or a motocross background or trails or, or something on two wheels anyway, and they make their way into the mountain bike thing at that early age i know you you raced full time for a couple of years didn't you on, on the great british national team yeah i did yeah that was quite a big uh turning point for me actually yeah yeah so how did that all come about then um bmx had been it made the olympics it seemed to come around about all of a sudden really um so then british cycling got involved and there was a a team that were aiming for medals and I got asked to I got selected so I got asked to be on the team at one point and at, at the time you kind of think well this this is this is brilliant this is the best thing ever you know you get to do you thought it was the dream mm-hmm. and for some people it is the dream but over those two years by the end of it it wasn't till the end of it really that I looked back and thought yeah I'm, I'm really not that happy you know yeah wasn't enjoying it at all and that kind of changed the way i looked at riding from then on 
You are. What age were you then, Joy? Um, how old was I? Probably 26, 27, I think. Right, right. And this was your full-time job, was it, basically? Yeah, for those two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, you know, it's funny how different people look at things, you know, because, like you say, that would be a dream to a lot of people. You know, they want to get into this to be their career. They want to be a professional writer. But you just, it just didn't click with you. Can you, do you know why, or...? Um, I think it's just I loved riding my bike and I, it was I didn't know what else I wanted to do anyway I was just doing random jobs because I didn't I just wanted to ride my bike yeah. so it seemed like the dream to me but actually when I got into it it made me realise that the racing and the competition wasn't why I did it mm. um, when you get to that level then it is different it's not you're not going away on a weekend and enjoying I, I realised I enjoyed everything else about it <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed the racing because I enjoyed going away with my friends and enjoying the scene around it and jumping the jumps for fun and all that kind of stuff. So it's not that I disliked racing. I just liked it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Do you think was it a competitive thing? You just because a lot of the people I chat to on the podcast that do race, they are unbelievably competitive. They maybe don't sound it, but when you chat to them, they they are once that helmet goes on and they start to pedal, they are competitive. Is that just something you, you feel you didn't have? A little bit. I mean, I have got it a bit, but I don't know whether that's because I've raced so long that I can, <laughs> not because it's in me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've just yeah. I've got a lot of experience, so if I do if I do end up racing, I, I know how to race. I know I can do it. I just, yeah. it's not the thing that I enjoy the most. It's not... Yeah not what i enjoy most there has to be other things with it as to why i want to race yeah because you have been you have been successful that's for sure in racing you know what i mean so it's not like but uh you, you seem very much that it's more of a community thing for you and just that social aspect like how how big is the community thing behind it important to you oh massively I, yeah I, it's just that i'm passionate about passionate about everything around it and the way I ride, like the best. When I look back the, at the racing, none of the none of the races that actually stand out that much. It's the things that were, happened around it. Like when I raced the BMX Worlds, the in the amateur thing, it was the whole week where I rode with my friends at the other tracks, and it was really hot, and everyone was there cheering each other on, and it was it was all of that, not my race so much. Um, mm. and it, yeah, it just kind of makes me realise why I do it yeah it's very cool it's very cool and like now at this time like your community of friends there do they all ride bikes are they all involved in some way or another um i've got a, got a good group of friends uh locally that i ride with a lot um and then i've got pockets of friends all over the country so i always often think that how lucky i am to know so many people a lot of that is from racing as well so i racing's got a lot going for it in that way it's given me a lot yeah um and I, I still know loads of people across the country because of that and but that's the thing that i love about it yeah yeah definitely i can understand that now i want to go into the the four cross thing and all a wee bit later but you're massively into the mountain bike side of things now so when did riding mountain bikes become a passion for you um it, it became a passion probably about 2015 2016 but i had done bits of it before that like say the four cross mm-hmm. i'd 
I got roped into doing a downhill race pretty early on um, <laughs> by my friend Anya. We all, she was on my team when I was racing Bullcross and uh, yeah, got convinced to do a downhill race. Literally took me down, which was good, but never at those points, it never really grabbed me. Um, I enjoyed it, it was different, but I never thought, oh, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it wasn't until about 2015, 2016. It's um, so when I decided I kind of had enough of racing BMX as an amateur. Uh, and just wanted to ride my bike and I can't really remember why I, th- I think I just got a got a bike and it just escalated there wasn't anything really that made me think oh I want to do this now yeah yeah it's interesting like what kind of format um, mountain biking are you into because your footage is all dirt jumps and stuff like that like crazy crazy stuff like is that what you're really into hitting big jumps and um it was uh when I first was riding mountain bikes, it was, yeah, it was, I was looking for the jump lines all the time, the flow lines, the jump lines, everything that felt pretty natural to me. And I, I do still get a buzz out of doing jumps and, but I have actually, I've started to appreciate all the other riding now, which is good because I do get bored doing the same thing all the time, which is partly why I still ride dirt jumps. And then I like to go away and ride in the hills and, you know, I, I, I do get a bit bored if I do the same thing all the time. Mm, yeah it's interesting like the a lot well i won't say a lot but a few of the key bmxers pro bmxers are now getting into mountain biking like carline buchanan um i'm sure you know who carline is yeah <laughs> uh, she's like eight times bmx and mountain bike world champion or something just something like that but she's really into mountain biking now and has kind of left the bmx thing a bit in the background and I've also had I had uh, a, a lady on the on the podcast called Harriet Burbage Smith has I think she kind of goes by mostly. Um, yeah. She was on was episode one five six. I had yeah I had her on one five six. Like she just done amazing things at Crankworks and all there. But again, kind of jumping away from the BMX world into the mountain bike thing. Is that something you're seeing a bit a bit more happening? Yeah, definitely. And even on a level of people just riding their bikes, like I think um, that with the there's more bike parks now and flow lines and jumps. And I think it's enticed more BMXs into it because there's no way I would have just stepped across the mountain bikes had it have all been like 20 years ago when the all the uplift places seem to be just real down on tracks. Mm. That I was like, no way, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but um, now you've got the bike parks like Black Mountains, for example loads of flow and it, it feels like a big bmx track it's just a playground and yeah. i think that kind of that kind of terrain is attracting bmx's into it yeah, it's kind of yeah. similar but different and it's fast and it's bigger and yeah just more appealing i think yeah i wonder how much the media has to play with that you know what i mean the whole mountain bike media side of things is it getting people into it it seems to be a huge, a huge side of it. Um, like, it's funny that because BMX almost seems to be making a bit of a comeback as well. Do you think that? As in the racing side? Yeah. Um, it did a bit with um, the Olympics. It definitely picked up a lot, but it's. I feel like it's a different type of rider and a different type of person now. It's turned. Really? More, it's turned more into a like a I don't want to say a real sport but you know you 
common sport is. Because of the Olympics, it feels very different to what it did in my day. Um, everything's a lot more structured. Everyone's a lot more competitive. Um, which I, there's no, I have no problem with that at all. The way it's got, and it's just not for me anymore. Mm, mm. Like, how different do you see the MTB scene from the BMX scene? Um, it feels a lot more relaxed. Um, I know, I know the people in BMX they enjoy it and they have a good time, but it's it's just a different kind of feeling. I think I feel like most people in mountain biking really like enjoying riding the bike for fun and more. Um, the BMXs now, especially if you, you're taking it seriously and you want to win races, you have to really like the gym. <laughs> so it's kind of a different, it's just yeah. what you're into, really, you know. And mm. I think it meant that people who were loved riding their bike with their friends more have gone over to mountain biking a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And, and I suppose it allows you to get up into the hills, go out in nature and see so many different places and things. So that, I think, appeals to quite a lot of people as well. Yeah, that's one of the things I've really appreciate appreciate about it too, um, because the BMX races they they never really took you anywhere that that exciting. Like <laughs> you was always uh, the BMX tracks were always somewhere you know in the arse end of nowhere or wasn't wasn't that nice often. So um, when you go away to the mountains, you suddenly like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> what yeah. am I missing? This is beautiful. And I, I think part of that is age as well. I think the older you get, the more you appreciate that kind of thing too. Yeah. The nice thing about mountain biking is, and that, uh, looking at it from that perspective, is it allows you to travel and go to nice places and, you know, see different scenery and massive scenery and stuff like that. Whereas with BMX, I, I suppose you just don't get that. At the end of the day, a, a track is very much similar to another track, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And particularly now, like there's back in the 80s, I'd say all the tracks were a little bit more varied. Um, but now there's sort of a set kind of way that tracks are built they're not very different wherever you go i mean if you watch the world cups they're, they're very similar track to track mm-hmm. you wouldn't know where you were um and often you there isn't any scenery you you're just in a, a park or a field or something um mm-hmm. but sure when you're doing it it doesn't matter one bit to you you're not bothered about that but so as you get older and you get the opportunities and and the money as well to be able to go and do these things because mountain bikes and mountain bike uh, places chairlifts and things they're not cheap are they no definitely not no it's a, it's a barrier for some people for sure definitely yeah yeah um the whole covid thing and the lockdown stuff and that is it did it affect you much did you get out riding much um it yeah it affected me i mean i work so um i still have my job i still went to work because i work at the hospital so um, just at a desk so it didn't affect me too much there um, but yeah I still went to work so it, it kept things pretty normal for me but obviously I couldn't travel to where I normally do and living where I do I couldn't really go and ride mountain bikes anywhere exciting because we don't have any hills here yeah yeah so yeah it did affect that yeah like how often would you try and go out in the bike um I'm about every every weekend without fail really okay all right do you are you one of these ones that go out at night and stuff like that through the winter and get the lights on and get the waterproofs on and yeah <laughs> no yeah i can't be bothered with that. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean um i used to, i'd go out on 
on weeknights in the summer, but in the winter I'm more into, especially now as well. Like I've, I haven't really got too much motivation to go out and ride my bike in in the winter in the evenings. I would rather spend my time working on my fitness and my strength in the winter. Um, I quite enjoy that, and it's I find it quite beneficial that I end up yeah. having more fun on my bike because I end up because I'm stronger. Yeah, so, um, exactly. Worthwhile seems more worthwhile than going out in the dark to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, some of my closest friends we're, we're, we're kind of all well, well, a couple of us came up through bikes of one form of another, but my other mates are more or less surfers, and I've got into it just off the bike. A, a couple of us being into it big time, and uh, you know it's it's funny because I've, i keep trying to tell those guys look if if you're fit if you do some kind of fitness in the gym or some kind of mountain bike specific kind of training when you go out riding you'll enjoy it more because it will seem less like a workout for you, <laughs> you know? oh definitely it makes makes a massive difference and i think that's another thing that i've taken from racing that because i've seen what a difference you can make uh after if i'm if I'm struggling with something or I'm feeling too tired or I can't hold on, I know what I have to do. <laughs> see, you know, mm. it's easy to see what I have to do. You just have to do it. Yeah. And you're right. I think a lot of people don't, don't realize how much who haven't done any training before. They don't realize how much of a difference it can make. I've just been up to, um, in Aleton on a trip and we went last year and I, cause I've never really done that kind of riding, holding on rough trails down steep hills. I mean, last year my my arms were sore and my legs were tired and so over over the winter and in lockdown I said right I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fitter and I'm gonna get stronger and this year I went up there and the difference was night and day like uh because as soon as you can't hold on it you can't you feel like you can't ride a bike mm. <laughs> and because I could hold on all the way down I was like oh this is brilliant you know I feel so much better yeah but yeah some people don't realize what a difference they can make yeah totally and you know it's not even touching on how how it makes you feel mentally as well and how good it is for you mentally too you know uh, the training or when you actually feel better when you're riding yeah yeah both really you know the training i think helps you mentally you may not kind of see it but i i think it is good for you very mentally to to do some kind of training over the winter or something like that you know and then when you're riding the bike you, you aren't thinking as much of, about being sore so you can concentrate more and it just kind of all works together yeah definitely both of those things like and especially last winter with it being a lockdown it was brilliant to have something to focus on like that it was, i was like right this is the ideal opportunity to increase my fitness and get stronger because there's not too much else i'm not missing out on any fun by doing it <laughs> mm-hmm um, yeah. and I knew there wasn't a great deal to do on the weekend so I wasn't going to be sore on the weekend and wishing I hadn't pushed myself in the week you know mm. did you set up a gym in the house or what kind of stuff do you do yeah we did yeah so um I've got a long time friend who has a little gym who we normally go to and he lent us a little bit of equipment and an old an old spin bike mm. so we've just got a tiny back room we've just got a spin bike um a few kettlebells uh pull up bar not much else really and yeah i think that's all you need you really don't need a lot all you need is a pull up bar because that's a torture freaking bit of equipment right there <laughs> yeah yeah and all, yeah pull up bar and i've been doing some kettlebell stuff uh like bottoms up kettlebells so you're, you're gripping and holding the kettlebell upside down 
Um, right. And yeah, all those things together just made my grip so much better. Wow. Yeah, I never thought of that actually with the kettlebells. Yeah, that was that was one from my my friend uh, Wheel Fitness. He gave us that one to do, and it's yeah, it's made made such a difference. Yeah. So you do like a you do a bike specific training regime. Then you don't just you know pound out the miles on the spin bike or anything. You have more specific kind of stuff to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm lucky that I have a friend to tell me what to do. Um, he's helped me out. He helped me out when I was racing as an amateur too. So I've yeah I've got a little bit of knowledge myself, but he guides me in the right direction. And and the other thing is if you're just pounding out the miles, I just find it quite quite boring. So. Um, mm-hmm. I'm generally doing some interval stuff on the bike, which uh, makes the time pass a lot quicker and gets the heart rate going for sure. Yeah, yeah, good, good stuff, good stuff. Now let's chat a little bit about racing. Then I know we've touched on it there briefly, but I want to chat to you about the the four cross World Cup stuff that you started racing. Um, how does the four? I don't really know much about the four cross thing. It's something I've never really been involved in. Like, how does that differ from normal bmx racing um well for start there's obviously four of you not eight um which means even if you're in fourth you've still got a chance really you're never that far off qualifying always thought that made it quite exciting um other than that it's it's rougher it's more downhill um pretty similar other than that i guess yeah is, is the jumps bigger and things like that sometimes because it's downhill but yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say is at the time it was when when I got into it, I I was like oh this is brilliant it's downhill there's less pedaling it's uh, bigger jumps but now you've got BMX Supercross that it's not really the case because you've got that ridiculous Supercross hill in BMX and huge pro sections so um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say the jumps are bigger mm. or bigger than what it is now right okay. As far as equipment goes, was your bike any different between the four cross trails and the BMX stuff? Um, well, the first time, first time I did a four cross race, it was actually the first Port William World Cup. Um, so a guy called Dan Jarvis, who's a well-known commentator, he used to run a women's team, and he was looking for someone like a BMX rider, a female BMX rider, to to enter the World Cup. So I put myself forward. Um, but when I went there, I had I had a four cross frame, but I had it set up with, I think I had one brake, I had single speed, um, a pair of comp three tyres. It really wasn't appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I learned a lot from that that race. Uh, that it was quite quite a little different to BMX than I anticipated. Right. Wow. Are are the bikes slacker or longer or you know how how do they differ? Um. Hard to say really because the, the wheels are obviously so much bigger. It just changes yeah. the higher geometry of the bike, so it's, it's definitely a bit slacker. Um, yeah, it's just totally different. It just the the wheel size makes the whole bike just feel. I mean, it's more stable than a BMX for sure. Mm, mm. That's, that's the difficult thing about BMX. They're so small and twitchy. If you were going down a hill on the size of some of the World Cup tracks, like Val de Sol or something, you'd get no grip and just i think you just feel completely uncomfortable you know yeah yeah i sat on a bmx not so long ago and it felt so weird i think it would to me now as well yeah you know when you're coming off 
I've got a 29er at the minute, and you come off something like that onto a BMX with the 20-inch wheels, you're just like, what? How? I, no, I can't ride this thing. You know, it just... And then you have guys, like, we have some local guys here that do both. You know, they race enduro, and then the next day they're away racing BMX. I don't know how those guys do it. They're just so talented. It's unreal. Yeah, I, I've got full admiration for people who do that. I see, like, um, Laurie Greenland and and K's, people like that who can just pick up the BMX again and do ridiculous things on it after riding mountain bike World Cups. That to me is pretty incredible because I know what it's like to swap between bikes and like, I struggle. Yeah. As soon as I, I loved my BMX while I was riding it mainly. And then the more I switched into mountain bikes, the more difficult I found it to switch back. Yeah. So it's, it's a real talent to be able to do that, I think. Yeah, totally. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So when you were racing four cross, you were racing in the elites and and stuff like that. Like what was, or how competitive was it then? Was it just still crazy competitive? Um, the early days of four cross were really competitive. Yeah. yeah. We had um, Jill Kintner dominating. Anne Carey was still around in the early days too. There was a lot of big names in there. It was really quite competitive. Yeah, wow. And was there sponsor involved and all then? You know, was that all on the go at that level? There was, there was, yeah, there was some sponsorship around. I mean, the top girls were doing all right, I think. Uh, Annika made quite a career out of it as well. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty popular back in the early days. It was it had a lot of coverage and everyone was raving about it. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, it just kind of dropped away a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird that, like, the four cross thing to me looks really exciting. You know, it, it just looks, it just looks made for TV almost, you know. Um, it's kind of like border cross in the Winter Olympics. I don't know if you're into snowboard or anything, but the border cross stuff is amazing. And, yeah, yeah, and when I go away, like, that's one of the things we always look for. Where's the border cross track? Because, you know, it, between three or four mates it's, it's just a really good good time like it's a bit of crack you know what i mean you're racing each other down <laughs> yeah um but you jumped into downhill kind of around 2014 um if i'm right now i was looking at your results on roots and rain and your first five races you had three firsts and two seconds so you were obviously doing something right <laughs> What was this in? I don't even know what I raced in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really race much down. What was this? What do you so, mean? 2015 Steel City downhill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, the were, Steel Pete race. Yeah, yeah. So, you were yeah. first there. Oh, um, oh, in Masters, yeah. And then, first in Masters. Uh, downhill Freeriders Championship first. And then, that was number four that then number five you were first and then the mini downhill you were second and then steel city again in 2016 you were second again like when you were getting those results like what were you thinking uh well yeah they sound really good on paper but i mean the steel city race is it's a really mellow track you know it's not a real downhill race i think the first year i did it was on my dmr bolt like i wasn't <laughs> yeah. it was, and it was made for that kind of bike so it wasn't and it, it's not that serious you know mm. so I, I i didn't really take them too seriously and i think i think the other ones were the pentest races maybe they were just some local races yeah that's right um, yeah and to be honest i don't think i ever 
thought about that I won them because I was racing in with the lads because I, I wanted to race with my friends. Um, so I think I was racing in Masters. Wow. Although I did have um, I did have quite a good result in the first one I remember in in the men because it was quite a jumpy track, <laughs> so it <laughs> suited me quite well. But no, I wasn't I wasn't taking any of those too seriously. It was just I think I decided to stop racing BMX, and um, I remember looking at my year ahead and thinking, well. I don't have anything in my calendar. <laughs> this is really weird. <laughs> so, so I just kind of did things like that because I needed something to, I thought I needed something to do, something in my calendar, something to look forward to. And the more time's gone on, gone on, the real, I've realised I don't need that. I just end up doing loads of cool stuff. And yeah, I just take it as it comes really. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like, do you find that, you know, when you're going to these race events <clears throat> and it's very much a social thing for you, when you're relaxed like that and you don't put as much pressure on yourself, do you feel you actually ride better? Yeah, massively. Um, I, you could say it's a mental thing, but then I, I, you know, I could have got support for that, but I, I just didn't really want to race like that either. I didn't want to race too seriously. I just wanted to go and enjoy myself. So I didn't want to take it further than that. And prime example actually was 2011 when I'd, it was a few years after I'd been on the GB team for BMX and I hadn't really raced anything. And my friends were going to the Forecross National and I kind of ended up thinking, oh, quite fancy again. I'll go along with my mates and ride that. Mm-hmm. Did quite well against the men there. And then some of them were like, oh, we're going to Fort William World Cup. You should come race the World Cup again. We're, you know, we're getting a caravan, staying in it, having a week away. So I was like, oh, yeah, all right, why not? Well, I ended up leading the final of the World Cup that year. Um, until Annika showed me how to ride a bike, how to ride a flat corner, and they took me. <laughs> uh, but and then I think I went, ended up going to Italy. I got roped into kind of get, carrying on and doing some more and going to Italy World Cup, and it just did not feel the same because I I wasn't with all my friends and I just thought no, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. Um, yeah. And that's the difference between I really enjoyed Fort William and I should have just left it there really. Yeah. But other people say to me, "Oh, but haven't you got unfinished business? You came second. You nearly won." It's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I got selected for the world team that year as well, actually, and I turned that down too because it just wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, well, fair play. They do that, like you know. Um... I've, I've been there. I've done that, and I know that's not what I want. And it is hard sometimes to not get carried away with that, and and you sort of forget why you didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I did notice on Roots and Rain you had a bit of a break there between 2007 and 2011. There's nothing really listed here. And I was wondering, was that, you know, life gets in the way a lot of the time and things like these. And I was wondering if it was injury or anything related, but you just decided to step away at that stage. Well, 2007, I think, would have been the year I got on the GB team. So I would have just been doing BMX. And then, as I say, after at the end of the GB thing, I just wanted to step away from it completely because it, it sort of ruined <laughs> racing for me for a while. I was just, just wanted to, I think I just hid down the trails for a few years and didn't do much else. Mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, it's funny because a lot of people try and turn their passion into their career, you know, whether it's working in a bike store or, you know, working in the bike industry or something. Do you think if you went down those lines, it would have kind of ruined the riding for you and ruined the bike stuff for you um it's hard to say i, I don't know I, I don't I just don't feel like i 
particularly need it to be my whole life I all I want is to do something in the week that I'm all right with and earns me enough money and time to go and do what I really want to do and I can do it exactly the way I want it and that's what works for me but I just I feel like everybody's different you need to find out what works for you yeah there's a lot to be said for that to be honest um cool now I want to chat to you about Whistler um because it's basically the world capital of BMX right or sorry of mountain bike um you went to Whistler, you went to Crankworks there in 2017. Like, how did you find that experience? Yeah, that, that was a weird one. It came, um, I, I kind of came out of the blue. That was GT suggesting to go there. Um, and it was what, even though I don't really race anymore, it was one of those events that I thought, always kind of thought at the back of my head, well, that might be cool because this always seems like a fun event. There's lots going on. And then the times you're not riding, you can just go and ride the bike park with your mates. Mm-hmm. so um yeah that was that was quite an experience for me I still found it a bit a bit like going back into racing a little bit the feeling that I'd, I'd kind of left behind but overall it was a really good experience and uh thoroughly enjoyed it what were you competing in there um I, I did I think I did the a-line race I did I did the pump track because I got a I got a medal in that um can't remember what else I did. Yeah, yeah. There's more than one thing happens, kind of. It's like. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty intense week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks. It looks. It. Uh, like, what's the scene like there? How did you find that from other places you'd travelled to? As in the place or the event? Yeah, just as in Whistler and just what was going on there, and you know the talent and all there. Like, how did you find all that? Um. Yeah, it's was, it was quite weird being in such a mountain bike mecca i mean the only thing closest to it i'd probably experienced was um i went to the four cross worlds in leger and do you know what year that was time i ever kind of saw that because i was only really into bmx at the time and i went there and saw these mountain bikers like all around the streets like not just people going to watch just people who were riding as well and i was like yeah this is mental like i've never never seen this before and it was kind of a throwback to that i was like everybody there is really into it which is uh really cool because you know you go to other events and people are there to watch but they're not really there they're not necessarily mm-hmm. do the sport as well if you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah to just be somewhere with that many people into the same thing is pretty cool yeah it's pretty nuts you were in leger in 2004 ah right yeah so back then yeah <laughs> uh, it threw me back to then because i i hadn't I hadn't been, I think that must have been my first, the first time I'd ever gone to the Alps. So, yeah, I saw that and was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Yeah, it's nuts. And um, I remember chatting to a fella who was, uh, his brother-in-law owned an apartment in Whistler. And this was before I was heavily, heavily into the mountain bike thing. And we were chatting one thing on and he was saying he was trying to get away and he, he wanted to get away skiing but his brother-in-law wouldn't let him have the place for a week because he rented it out. Right. And I says, well, why don't you go in the summer? Sure, that would be nice up there in the summer too. It'd be beautiful. And he was like, dude, it's busier in the summer than it is in the winter. And I was like, no, you've obviously got that wrong. He says, no, the mountain bike scene up there is nuts. He says, it's hev- it's more booked in the summer than it is in the winter. I couldn't believe it. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, like, you know, so you've got the capital, it's kind of the world capital for and snowboarding, if you want, or skiing or whatever. And then the same for being a uh, mountain bike. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was, I was going to go back um, last year, but obviously we couldn't go. I was pretty good. Mm, mm. Did you go back in 2019? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that, that was another one where um, actually I wasn't intending to do crankworks. Um, my other half, um, he broke his arm pretty badly that year. And my friend, Lynn, in, she lives in Pemberton now. She's originally from Northampton, and she invited me to come over there to ride with her. So I was like, "Oh yeah, brilliant! I'll do that." And Ski was like, "Yeah, go enjoy yourself." Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can't. What, oh, I got invited to do the Speed and Star, the first ever women's Speed and Star in Crankworks that year. Yeah, cool. Right, so I was like, "Well, I'm sort of going anyway. I could go the two weeks before that and then tag it along." So that kind of evolved into another crankworks trip in the end mm, mm. yeah uh, it's cool like and it's on my bucket list for sure you were saying that gt had kind of kind of said it would be a good idea for you to go i want to chat to you a wee bit about sponsors um like when you go to whistler or something like that did gt help you financially or how does your sponsors work because i know you've got you've got some really really good sponsors there yeah so Generally, I'm I'm on a flow deal, so they, they help me out with bikes and everything. But whenever if there's anything comes up that's that's you know pretty cool, pretty good, then they're always really good at helping me. And actually, the the crankworks thing was their idea. They said we'll get you there, we'll we'll sort you out when you're there, we'll look after you. And they did everything for me on that trip, which was wow. and yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice little perk. Yeah, it's a it's a really really casual relationship I have with them, which it really really suits me because I, I've as I say I, I've got a job. It's not riding isn't my job, so I don't want it to feel like my job. So having a very very relaxed relationship where they they're not particularly asking anything of me, um, and vice versa, but they mm-hmm. they will help me out if something comes up. And that's it's a really nice way to do it. Yeah, cool, cool. How did you get involved with your sponsors? Was it something you reached out for, or did they come to you? No, I never. When I got into mountain biking around 2015, it was kind of like right. I was riding for Identity BMX team for a while on an on an amateur um, on the amateur riding, and when I decided I'd had enough of that, I kind of just like right, you know, I'm riding for fun now. Just want to get mountain bike, go and ride all these cool places. I had no intention of getting any sponsors or anything. It was not on my mind one bit. Um, and then I just, I was just riding stuff. And f- I like, I like doing filming, and I always have. So I put some GoPros up, and I had this, had this stupid crash, uh, a random jump place where I overshot a jump ridiculously <laughs> and crashed, and it was quite dramatic. Yeah, and, I think uh, I've seen that one actually. Yeah, I was, I was fine. yeah it made quite a good video and um yeah uh, clive goslin who's the market manager at uh gt i thought we sort of know each other because of bmx because he was he was a pretty big name in bmx and mountain biking back in the day um he actually rode for gt himself Mm -hmm. and yeah he he just wrote to me and was like oh my god are you okay (laughs) he's like you need a you need a bigger bike i'll hook you up if you want and that's pretty much how it started 
Wow, that's so crazy. Somebody sees a real bad crash and they're like, yeah, you need a better bike. <laughs> you think you felt sorry for me. <laughs> We're going to give you a bigger bike so you can go bigger. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, wow, right, wow. You go crazier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, that was the start of that and there was no, yeah, it was just very informal and it, it pretty much always has been. But yeah, it's become, they've helped me out more and more as time's gone on, really. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. What bikes are you riding at the minute? Um, I've got a GT Force that you might have seen that's uh, painted up a bit fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I ride most of the time because I, I still like the smaller wheels and smaller bike for, for jumping and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I've got a 29er as well, the Force 29, but I've mulleted that. Cause I, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, just, I, I wanted something a bit bigger to kind of cope with the rougher terrain because I'm not as good at that stuff. So I like like the comfort of the, the big front wheel on that. But um, I'm, I'm, for one, quite small. And two, I, I do like to move the bike around. So the 29er just feels a bit too much for me. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I whacked a small wheel in the back and got some offset bushings to like lift it up to the to the right geometry again. It feels really good. Yeah, yeah. And you really like that. It's... it's... Yeah, it's it's a good one because some people love it, some people don't. You know, it's crazy. The mullet. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just depends. All the wheel size thing, and it just depends on your style of riding. Hmm. Yeah, because I had Keenan Grant on the show. There, he's a he's a rider with a pro rider with Chain Reaction. He's one of the local guys here, and I was. Ex- I was surprised to to see that he didn't like it. He tried it and didn't like it. And he just stuck with a 29er, you know, um, because a lot of those guys seem to be going the mullet direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I can't really compare what I like to people who race and stuff because I think it's an entirely different colour fish. But it's that, like, I'm not I'm not that tall either, so I think it allows you to move around at the back a bit more when you're a bit shorter. That's, that's definitely got a, a bearing on your choice, I think, your height. Yeah. Yeah, I know when I came from cuz I was I was quite old school. I was on 26 inch wheels there until quite recently like um I'm talking like a year and a half ago. Right. <laughs> and when I first went on a 29er, it felt so weird to me. The thing just wanted to go straight all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny cuz I had two bikes out at that. I was just one of the local stores lent me two bikes to take out and try and one was a 27.5 and one was a 29 and I really enjoyed the 27.5 I didn't go on with the 29er at all yeah. and then Nukeproof lent me the reactor bike uh, and that was a 29er and that thing blew my mind that was unreal and I think it's because it had the smaller travel as well it was only 140 travel rather than yeah, the big one that. yeah I get that that can make a difference it just yeah. yeah, I think you've just got to know what suits your riding style and what and the terrain you're riding too. Because so a lot of the time I'm just riding riding jump parks and you don't need a twenty nine for that. And actually, it just feels like I can't I can't move it in the air so much. So I don't like it. Mm. Yeah, so, I could understand that for sure. But the the mullet does feel like you can still move it. So yeah, I, you know, I could if I got used to it, I probably could ride a mullet all the time. But as far as a full 29er, I don't feel like I really want to ride a full one all the time because I'm even for the rougher terrain, it just I feel a bit too small for it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, and it's funny what the industry is going to do with this because 
there's a lot of people saying that the 27.5 thing's dead and that it's only going to be 29er. But I can't see how they can put 29er wheels on small frames, for instance. It just it just doesn't work as far as I'm concerned, you know, and for the smaller rider as well. Yeah, you do see a lot of a lot of smaller. I see a lot of smaller women on twenty nineers, and they do seem to get on it on with it fine. But really, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot around, and I just think, how are you riding that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, I don't, I'm not knocking it. Uh, if if it suits you, then it works. But yeah, I do hope there's still a, a bit of choice in the market. Um, yeah, even if it's just the the mullet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, chatting about ladies riding in there, have you seen more girls getting into the sport recently? Yeah, massively, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that kind of blew my mind when I went to Whistler, actually, how many women were there. Yeah. I've never, never seen so many women riding bikes. It was awesome. Yeah, that's good. Like, what do you think we have to do here for somebody getting into it, somebody interested in getting into the mountain bike world? Like, what do we have to do here to encourage more girls to get into it? Um, it's a really difficult question for me because I didn't have to get into it in that way. So I, I do find it really difficult to to answer that. I feel like I'm not the right person to ask. Mm, mm. Um, because I, I, like, there's a lot of talk about the women's stuff at the moment. And I do, I do get that at a certain level, I, we need to keep things more equal. But I, I do appreciate that the women's things are really important at that entry level because some some women find it daunting to go out and just ride with a load of guys or somewhere random where they don't know anyone. So I think they are still really important at that level. But I would I would still encourage women not to be put off by riding with the guys because it can help you so much. And they and like you know 99% of them are really really welcoming welcoming and actually they enjoy having a woman in the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like out of your mates, have you any girls that you ride with? Um, I do not not locally, but um, I have some have a few friends across. There's I've got a friend in Derby who I ride with a lot and have done since my BMX days. Um, and my friend uh, was talking about Lynn and Whistler, and my friend Anya, who I used to race with. I still go and see her in Verbier. <laughs> and uh, some of the funnest times I have are riding with those with those you know we always have a right old giggle yeah and actually i i would give uh lynn a lot of credit actually for getting a lot of women particularly in scotland into mountain biking because she ran don't know if you've heard of it the air maiden event right okay okay yeah which was an all women's event but it was aimed at free riding and getting people into jumping and it's definitely one of the things that women find really daunting um, and she was into it, into that kind of thing herself years ago, and there wasn't many women doing it. So she started it, started Air Maiden, and I think it ran for about 10 years, and it was ever so popular. Yeah, wow. It's a great name, that. One or two of them, and it was just the best vibe. Like, everyone's having such a good time. So yeah. there, there, really is, there is still a, a big place for events like that, because it is important to some women, and if it is important, then they need to be there. Yeah, definitely. No, it's good. And I do see a lot of this kind of thing popping up, you know, so it's it's obviously getting more popular and there is more of these camps and stuff starting up, and um, which is brilliant to see. It's awesome. It's awesome to see more people on the trails and everything else. Yeah, I think, I think maybe I'm hoping that one day we won't need these women's camps, you know, and everyone will integrate more. 
mm-hmm. that's that's a, a general social thing that needs to evolve as much as a mountain bike thing but i i wonder whether somewhere down the line these women's events would be good if they kind of integrated i don't know at the end of the day or like the end of the week or something like that where you integrate it with the men is to try and encourage things to integrate sooner do you know what i mean yeah no i totally agree i don't, I totally I don't agree. want to see it separated i really don't but it is important for to get some women into it or they won't yeah i think it's good in a way to for for women that are, are a bit nervous to go in or they feel it's a very male dominated dominated kind of scene to get started there so you can get started in a ladies oh, yeah. group it's more comfortable you probably think you're you you know you're going into a group of ladies that are kind of around your same level or you know you're not being told i just just go down and throw it down that line you'll be fine you know because i've heard some nightmare stories of you know boyfriends taking uh, you know their their new girlfriend out for the first time throwing them on a downhill bike and saying that's only a red just go you'll be all right follow me down, yeah, it's like <laughs> you down a bike. if you go to a trail center you often see like a guy on a super good bike and then their girlfriend's on like some crappy hard town they're like yeah, yeah it's fine you'll be fine <laughs> so hopefully you know off the back of something like that being in that kind of environment then they can progress and when they get a bit more confidence i think you know they'll just naturally go into each other's groups and that'll be you know there's a couple yeah and uh, you know if, if more if the participation evens out more in men and women across mountain biking then perhaps that'll be when there won't be a need for that because women will go into the sport immediately finding other women and yeah. it won't, won't be like a daunting all men situation that's putting them off yeah yeah no i think that's a good point that's a good point um now let's just chat a little bit before i let you go here about the future have you anything planned for the near future you can tell us about any good trips or anything or um i, I don't really make too many plans but i i have got a big event coming up this year now i've been invited to go to audi nines um which is a big free ride event only they've only had men before but this year they've, they've invited six women and i'm one of them so oh. as it's not actually a competition i was pretty keen yeah and where's that at it's in the in a quarry in germany wow okay so that's a, good. a week of riding like men and women all together so um yeah looking forward to that should be good yeah that's cool and is is there just is there any kind of is there different kind of categories or events or you know no, it's, it's just it's just a jam so you just get to go and ride a week and the focus is on just getting cool media and uh progression and just riding together really so it suits me down to the ground it's exactly the kind of thing i like yeah wow that's cool when's that happening that's the end of august end of august all right oh that's pretty close then yeah, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, that's class, that's class. Yeah, happy days. Well, listen, uh, how can people find out more about what you do, Joey, and get in contact or whatever on socials? Where's the best place to go to? Uh, mostly Instagram, really. So, Miss Joey Goff, that's where you can find me. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And you've got loads of good footage on there of your your uh dirt jumps and stuff and uh it's pretty crazy what what you're doing there like it's pretty nuts cool um so listen thanks so much for coming on it's been a blast to chat with you um i really enjoyed our conversation and um, yeah, no thanks for having me. 
Yeah, uh, I didn't tell you beforehand now because I didn't want to make you nervous or anything, but you're actually going to be on episode 200. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have made me nervous. <laughs> so there you are. I don't put a lot into the numbers what? thing around, but uh, your guest 200, so what? class. Well, listen, thanks so much. Uh, good luck for the rest of the year. I hope everything goes well and um, stay on the mountain bikes, will you? Because we need more more women like you in the sport. So uh, thanks so much for everything you do. All right. I'm not planning on going anywhere too soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Joy. Have a good day. Thanks a lot. Bye. That's a wrap for episode 200. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And Joey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I do appreciate it. I really enjoyed our chat and thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story with our listeners. I'm sure they have really enjoyed it and I'm sure it'll go down a bomb. So good luck for 2021. I hope everything goes well and keep hitting those slopes and those trails. What you're doing is amazing and I love watching your videos. So please keep posting them. I really do enjoy them. Now folks, if you want to know more about Joy, more about what we chat about on the podcast, just simply go to mtb-tribe.com where you can find the show notes to this episode. You can get quick links to Joy's socials, a few videos on there, all good stuff for your entertainment. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to your shows on. Every one of your ratings helps boosts us on the algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now you can also visit our website mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast. Now, if you want to get in contact with the show or want to follow us on social media, you will find us at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to contact me, the best way is via email, info at mtb-tribe.com. I do read all emails and I will get back to you. So that's it for episode 200, folks. Thank you so much. If you have listened to all of them, you are a champion. Uh, but until next week, it's always the same, but it's always the best way is to get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTB stoked. Have a good one.